All right. Well, we have just finished up our serve series uh, here at Beach Point, and uh, I want to thank uh, many of you who are serving me this week. Uh, you know, I, I don't hide it very well that I'm a, a pretty unhealthy Dodger fan. So thank you for checking in on my mental and emotional health. Uh, I was getting texts last night, like, you're wearing your Kershaw jersey on, on Sunday, right? I'm like, I'm not going to wear a Kershaw jersey to preach in. Now, I'll wear it underneath, um, <laughs> but I'm not going to wear it to preach in. So, what a, some great, great, great opportunities to serve. I, I just want to uh, put an exclamation point on Matt's announcements. I, I, if you've never gone to Mexico, I really want to encourage you. Um, if nothing else, at least go hear the, the, uh, the information meeting. Uh, the shoe boxes, the Operation Christmas Child, you know, one of the neat things, one of the reasons why we do it is it's one of those things where every family, maybe even every person, we can, we can all do a shoe box. That's not hard. And it's a great way for us, especially us with kids, to, to teach our kids about generosity, about mission, about what God is doing in the world. And so I want to encourage you, uh, uh, Brandon and the core squad, our middle school leaders are, are helping to lead that. Stop by afterwards, grab one of those. Uh, a great chance for you to serve that way. One other thing just to highlight as far as service and, and our mission in the city, if you haven't heard, it is now official that our Beach Point Huntington Beach campus moves into the Huntington Beach Library on December 3rd. So an awesome location. Uh, God has really blessed uh, a couple churches that have been there before us, and so we're really excited to uh, have that opportunity. Well, it's time to close that chapter, begin a new chapter. And whenever you begin a new chapter, you, you really can't do it without closing the, the old one. And sometimes that's a little difficult. Uh, when you get married, you stop dating. Uh, when you uh, want to lose some weight, you stop buying cookie dough. You stop eating double cheese, uh, cheeseburgers. When you're a freshman in college, it's, it's typically a good idea not to show up that first day in the dorm wearing your high school letterman's jacket. You, you need to close old chapters to begin new chapters. And sometimes it's really easy. If you've got a, a job that's going nowhere and a tyrant boss, you can't wait for that chapter to close, can you? Uh, but sometimes when the opportunity comes for the new chapter, it means perhaps moving out of the area where your friends and your family are. And so sometimes those, those decisions can be easy and sometimes they can be really difficult. But if we're going to be the kind of people, even as Brian was leading us, the kind of people who are, who are sitting on God's word and sitting on his words of calling into our life, then we have to be prepared for old chapters to end and new chapters to begin. New chapters that bring him glory, that, that create in us that abundant life he was mentioning, that life that, that Jesus offers, that is a life of flourishing, that life that brings blessing to others. And so in some ways, I, I think it's important for us because what we begin to see is we want to be that kind of people. If we're going to be the kind of people who are, are listening to God in this way, you realize that it speaks really highly about the kind of people we want to be here at Beach Point. It speaks about the posture of our heart, that we want to be in a position to say, Lord, speak, and I want to listen, and I want to obey. In fact, our mission here, in fact, I think it's important to say this because if you're new, if you're checking out Beach Point, I don't want to bait and switch you. We have a lot of cool things that happen here. But understand really the heartbeat behind who we are trying to be here at Beach Point is this. Our mission is to develop you into an authentic follower of Jesus. Meaning that he's going to lead and we're going to follow. We're going to kind of trust when he says, hey, go, start, stop. When he says those things, we're going to trust that that, that means life. Life is found in following him. And so we're going to spend, we're starting a new uh, series today called Reaction. And it's studying the life of an Old Testament prophet 
named Elisha. Now there's two prophets, Elijah and Elisha, and we're going to look at the second guy. We'll see how their lives come together here uh, today. But what we see in the life of Elisha is this idea of faith in action. And, And faith is interesting. It's more than a belief system. But what we see is that biblical faith always moves us into action. And as we uh, watch this, uh, watch uh, Elisha, we're going to see that as he responds to God in faith, there's a, there's a reaction. God speaks, God calls, and there's a reaction, a response that's required. But also we're going to see this is that when we respond with obedience to the things that God is asking of us, that there is not just a reaction in our own life, there's a reaction into the lives of the people that God is calling us towards. And so today we want to think a little bit about calling, the unique way that God may be calling you. Uh, maybe it's career or opportunity or, or something along those lines. It might be a role, might be a, about locating or relocating. It might be about something to start, something to stop. It might be a way to serve. But we want to think a, a little bit about calling today. But if you're going to listen to God's call in your life, you need to really see uh, today's big idea and how important it is. is it's gonna, we're going to look into this passage. This big idea kind of becomes a golden thread as we, we watch uh, this passage unfold. And so here's our big idea today, that to step towards your calling, you must step away from your security. To step towards your calling, you must step away from your security. Before you can go forward, with the life that God has for you, you, you have to offer him everything you have. You have to realize that it really it, it's a matter of sacrifice. And today's passage, we see how someone reacts to God's call and what kind of reaction it creates uh, to, in the lives of those around him. So here's the invitation. I would love for you to turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings 19. It's a short little passage we're going to look at. Page 356 in the Bible's in front of you. And let me set some context for you so that you understand um, kind of in the story of God where this fits. So God had called a people, they, he had built a nation, and that nation divided. This is about 900 years before Jesus comes. And so the, the nation of Israel has split into two kingdoms, a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was not good. In fact, 18 out of 18 kings are described as being bad or evil. But the king that is on the throne at this point, Ahab, is described as, as really being more evil than all of them. And on top of that, his wife is, is as bad, if not worse. Her name is Jezebel. And Ahab and Jezebel, they, they have uh, threatened the prophets. They have, they have brought in the worship of these other gods. And so God is not pleased. A prophet named Elijah has been raised up by God. There's a, there's a, a three-year drought uh, Elijah says it's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain. For three years, there's no rain. And so drought, famine, and chaos ensue. And they are looking for Elijah. They want to kill Elijah. There's this great story in the Bible. If you haven't read it, it's, just, it's right before this. But Elijah has this big showdown with all these prophets, the prophets of Baal. And so all these prophets come, and it's, it's like a, uh, all these guys versus one. And they, they're trying to call down fire. And Elisha, the fire comes down. And the people are kind of called back a revival to worship the one true God. And then the rain comes. And you think like it's like, and everyone lived happily ever after. And that's not how the story ends. In fact, Jezebel finds out what has happened. Ahab comes home from the day. Hey, honey, how was your day? Uh, not good. Elijah showed that our gods are all false. He had all the prophets killed and uh, people aren't really happy with us. 
all right, you make sure Elijah dies. Okay, by this time tomorrow, make sure he is dead. And so there's a threat. Elijah flees. So imagine leading this great moment for God. And now your life is in danger. He flees uh, a significant distance away to a place called Mount Horeb. God, God ministers to him there. And one of the things he does is says, look, Elijah, I know everything you see it feels like I'm not, I'm not there. I am there. And I am doing things. And there are things that you don't see, but I'm doing things. And he kind of lets him know. And he says, and I'm not done doing things. And so he tells him, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go appoint this guy king, this guy king. And then he says these words. He says, and then you're going to go appoint Elisha to succeed you as prophet. And so where we pick up in the story, Elijah has been giving marching orders by God. Go find this guy. Call him to be your apprentice, your disciple. He is ultimately going to replace you. And this is where we pick up. So verse uh, 19, we read this. Uh, So Elijah went uh, from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. And he himself was driving the twelfth pair. Elijah went up to him and, and, they, and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people. And they ate. And then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. So here we see Elijah called to go, call Elisha to succeed him as prophet. And there's a couple of things if we look at the beginning of the passage that if you look at it closely, you notice a couple of observations that I think that are really important, particularly for us who live in Orange County. Uh, we see a couple of things about Elisha. One, he is wealthy. Okay, so we see that there are 12 yoke of oxen. Each yoke has two animals. So there are 24 oxen that are there. And notice what, what we find is that Elisha is driving the last pair, which means what? He's got 11 servants working for him. He's, he's living in this place known as the Dancing Meadow. I mean, if you're going to live in a... I mean, I, they might have even had the slogan, a nice place to live before Fountain Valley. Okay, Dancing Meadow is the place he lives. It's a fertile ground. He's wealthy. His life is comfortable. It's not like he's looking for a new job. Uh, any of you, I don't know how many of you uh, have any farming experience, but you, you know if you're, you're, farm, if you're working in, in farming, it is, it is tough work. And, and his day, I'm sure, has already been long, and I seriously doubt he woke up th- that morning thinking, boy, I hope today I'm called as a prophet. Okay, so his day begins this way. But, but think about this. And maybe some of you feel this as well about your season of life. He is in a season of life that there, it's a little monotonous, right? So he's plowing. It's a season of plowing. And so he's behind these oxen. So if, if the season of life you're in, you know, think about this. If, if, you're, if your season is plowing behind oxen, what do you smell every day, right? Just kind of oxen residue. What, what do you see every day? Oxen rears, right? And you're not sure what that might look like. I mean, here's your, here's your glimpse of what it looks like. This is your view every day. And some of you feel that right about your job or your place in life. You're like, my life stinks. And I feel like I'm staring at oxen rears all day. Like, it's just like, 
there just feels like something's off, something needs to change. I know some of you who are students, you feel the monotony of class and study and papers and tests and class and and teachers, you're like, and class and add grading on top of that, okay? Some of you are, are, are parents. I know I can't imagine. I know when you're, I, I'm so glad that part of, is over, but it was hard when you were a young parent and it was, it was feeding and pooping and napping and feeding. And it's like this cycle. And, you're, and then you think, oh, I'm so glad we're over that. Now it's, it's uh, drop off at school, drop off at soccer, drop off at band, eat in the car, rinse, repeat, do again. And there's like this monotony to life that we feel. And there's something that Elisha is going through. And notice this, that Elisha has a good life. But God is calling him into something greater. And so notice the calling. The calling is so interesting. It happens this way. Elijah strides up. He takes off this cloak. It would have been like this, uh, like skins, animal skins or something. And he takes this off and he, he just wraps it over uh, the head of Elisha. Now they knew who Elijah, Elijah was. They knew everything that happened. This was, they, they knew what this moment meant. The, the mantle or the cloak was a symbol of vocation. And Elijah just kind of tosses it on, just kind of uh, uh, there and, and uh, walks away. And as he does this, it's, it's very easy to see uh, this is a calling to be a prophet. He's saying to him, that which has covered me will now cover you. That which I was under, you will now be under. It's almost like a king handing his scepter to his son. It's an invitation to follow him. And Elisha knows what this means. He knows he's being offered a job. And so here he has this life. It's hard. Being a farmer is hard, no question. And it is safe. And it seems to be profitable. He can stay with his oxen. He can keep plowing. Or he can enter into an unknown future. And maybe we would even say a a kind of threatening future, considering the hostility of, of the nature of the calling at the time. Elisha has a choice to make. He could stay with his oxen or he could follow God's call. So here's the first thing I want you to see, because I think it's important for us to notice this, that you don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. Verses 19 and 20 suggest something that he follows immediately. He doesn't ask for a lot of details. He doesn't get a lot of details. And God's call will make us, it will force us to make difficult decisions from, from comfort and luxury sometimes to danger and poverty and fear. But this is really important. Elijah is not the one making the call, is he? So Elisha says, hey, can I go back? I want to kiss my mom and dad. I want to say goodbye to everyone. And Elijah's response is, what have I done to you? Now think about that, what he's saying. He's saying, not my call. That's not, it's, it's not between me and you. This is between you and God. Uh, I'm not the one. I have no idea why God is picking you. I, I, you may not even have been my choice. This is between you two. Go ahead. It's fine with me. And he's putting that on there. And so there, it, it, think about this for a moment, because in some ways, as we enter into this sense of hearing God's call, uh, you might hear something in a sermon or through a song or through a, a, a life group, or, and you're kind of like wondering, you want to kind of ask permission of the person and 
our response is, this is kind of between you and God. You got to kind of figure this out a little bit. But here's what's interesting. Notice what Elijah doesn't give him is a bunch of details of what this is going to be. He doesn't say, okay, before you go back, look, I just want you to know it's going to be crazy out there. And here's what you got to do. He doesn't give him any of that kind of stuff. And God has called him, but God has not laid out all the details. And it's so interesting because God is a detailed God, isn't he? Right? So, so we know this. Jesus says, look, God, God knows the details of your life. He, he can count the, the hairs on your head. Now, for some of you, that's pretty easy to do. But uh, he goes, I, 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 God knows those kinds of things. He, he knows. He sees every sparrow that falls. He, he sees all these details. The, the creation of this world is incredibly detailed. It's not like God doesn't care about details. But when he calls us to follow him, he doesn't walk through every contingency with us first. He doesn't provide every possible warranty. He simply says, trust me, trust me. And he commands us to act in faith and obedience. And sometimes the call really just comes with a word. It just comes with a word. Think about in the story of God, when, as God is going to establish a people, we, we saw this calling of a man named Abram. And, and Abram was this man that was simply told, go. Go to a land I'll show you. And then it gets real quiet. You don't really hear a lot of instructions as to where it is and how it is and all the things that are going to happen. Or think into the, the, the story as Jesus begins to establish this life with his disciples. And he has this night where he's not in this boat with them. But they're out on this boat on the water. And they see this one walking on the water towards them. And they're kind of freaking out like they're seeing a ghost. And Jesus says to, to them, don't, it, guys, don't be afraid. It's just me. Oh, okay, of course. Yes, you're just walking on the lake towards us. And Peter says, if it's you, then then, then invite me to come out there as well. And what does he say with one word? Come. He doesn't say, Peter, okay, you're going to step out. And let me explain to you how water displaces when you step on it and how the molecules are going to... He doesn't try to explain the science behind what is about to happen. He just gives him one word, come. And some, I don't know about you. I'm a planner. I like control. I like, I like details. I like, I like information. And stuff like this is hard. When we see this, it makes me shudder a little bit uh, to hear it. But one of the things I love in this is that we, we, I, I want kind of navigation. I, I want directions. And God is showing us time and time again throughout the story that he is our navigation. You have a choice. What would you rather have? God's guidance as a commodity or God himself as your guide. He's not offering you guidance. He's offering to be with you, to be your guide. And so I want you to think about this because some of you know you're hearing, there's a word that God is speaking into your life right now and all he's given you is a word. For some of you, your marriage is, I mean, you're in a tough place right now, and the word is simply stay. And you're not getting a lot of details as how this is all going to come together and how it's all going to work out. He's just saying, all you need to know right now is stay, and I'll walk you through this. For some of you, you're dealing with health situations, either for you or for someone that's important to you, and you're scared. And the word is trust. Trust. And he's not giving you a lot of explanations of what you can trust. He's just saying, right now, I just need you to trust me that I have this situation. 
Some of you have an idea for a business or a ministry or, or, or a way to serve. And you're thinking, but, but, and you're looking for all these details. Where's the money going to come from? Where's the time going to come from? Where's the energy going to, well, and you're trying to figure out where it's all going to come from. And the word is simply start, start. And he's not giving you all of the information you need. He's not, he's saying, look, you don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. Some of you have been coming to Beach Point for a while now and you're trying to figure out this Jesus thing and you're trying to figure out this church life and you're thinking, ah, I never thought myself as a church person. But I kinda, I'm kind of getting this. I'm, I'm kind of I'm kinda liking the vibe here. I'm, and the word to you is commit. Like stop just shopping. Step in. Commit. And he's not explaining it all to you. He's just simply saying this. Commit. Step in. And some of you know that you've been dating this guy. He's a loser. And the word is break up with that jerk. Now, it's not one word. It's five because you don't seem to be able to get it. So he's giving you five words. But whatever it is, adopt, foster, give. God doesn't always give us all the instructions as to what it is. Go, come. Sometimes God just simply says, here's the word. And as Brian was leading us, sometimes we just say, say the word, Lord. And we want to be people who respond to that. When God is the one who's talking to you, one word is more than enough. And so he doesn't offer us guidance. He offers to be our guide. And this is important because here's the, the second thing for us to write down. That those God uses the most are the ones who hold on to the least. Those God uses the most are the ones who hold on to the least. The people, it seems, that God works through, as we read the story of God over and over, the ones who are willing to let go. They hold on to the least things. And what we see over and over and over again, not only into the story of God, but really as you think of the people that you admire who live godly lives, is that God's call demands decisive action. There's a call and there's a reaction. And notice what Elisha does. He does an interesting thing. He goes home to kiss his mom and dad. But the text tells us that he does this. He takes his oxen. He slaughters them. He takes his plow. He burns it. He makes, turns it into a barbecue. He cooks all the meat. And he invites everyone in for a party. Now, just so you know, uh, culturally, this would have been a, a significant feast. I mean, stakes for the whole community. This big feast. It's a huge celebration. This is really even beyond what would have happened in a wedding celebration. And practically, this is like, this makes no sense. But symbolically, it means everything. And this cloak lands on him. It's dense with destiny. And Elisha does this. He does more than just run after Elijah. He makes sure that there's nothing to run back to. This is a huge moment for him. And we see this because why? You can't step into a new chapter until you're willing to close the old one. And you can't start a new life in some ways sometimes until you set fire to the old stuff that's holding you back. And the first step is always the longest. It's always the hardest, isn't it? But this step is the step that it makes everything else possible. And you have to sometimes eliminate the possibility of even going back and so we have to ask the question for ourselves. Am I willing? Am I the kind of person in my commitment to Jesus? Am I willing to be the kind of person who will burn the plows? 
will I burn the plows? And here's the crazy thing. When you do this, when he leads you in this way, remember, Jesus, he's always leading us towards life. He's always leading to the life he promised, which is this abundant life, this eternal life. When we do this, it is terrifying. It feels crazy. It feels like we're losing control because you are. And, and, and here's the good news about that. Because the moment you lose control, the reality is you are giving that control over to someone who can actually handle it. And God, your heavenly father, is saying, look, I will now take responsibility. Let me have responsibility at this moment. Let me take care of you. Let me protect you. Let me provide for you. And see, this has always been the invitation of God to his people. Always just trust me. If you go all the way back to the beginning of his people, he would say this, just trust me. And I will protect you. I'll protect you from nations that are much bigger than you. I'll provide for you. This will be a land of blessing. You just have to trust me. And when your kids come to you and say, why in the world are we doing this church thing? Are we doing this, 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 obeying this God instead of all the other things we could do? God says, you point your kids to what I've said. Point them to what I've done. Point them to what I'll do. And help them see this. He doesn't say, you tell your kids to shut up and do what I say. He says, no, 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 no. Invite them into the promise that I will protect them and I will provide for them. So one of the exciting things about this message for, for Beach Point is that Beach Point has someone who really, in the most intense way, is going through an Elisha calling moment right now. And so I want you to, to meet Tammy Armstrong. Tammy, will you come join us? So Tammy is about to embark on quite, quite an experience with her life. Uh, she's getting ready to go with Frontiers, which is a mission organization that is about uh, developing a disciple-making movement in what we would call an unreached, unengaged people group. So unreached meaning there are not many uh, Christian believers in the area, and unengaged meaning that there aren't many people going to these places. But Tammy and this team, uh, they are being called by God. They've been invited by God to be one of those teams to go into one of these remote places, actually very dangerous place, especially for Christians. Um, this literally is an Elijah, Elisha kind of moment for Tammy. So Tammy, tell us a little bit about, where, uh, about Chad and what's going to happen there and where you're going. Well, Chad is... Uh They consider it the northeast uh, part of Africa. Um, I'm going to, with a team um, that will be serving, we have a doctor that just joined, a female doctor that will be serving women. Um, Then we also have teachers that will be teaching English as a way to get to know uh, Muslims and develop relationships. And I hope to serve with the the doctor and help with the team with uh, education of their children as well as connect uh, with women, Muslim women, um, while I'm there in a loving way, not not forcefully forcing them to to love. And you are, I mean, you literally, you're selling all your possessions, you're kind of, you're you're burning plows, Uh, you are moving. What, why is it that you're going to do this? Um... About uh, in 2010, I was going through a divorce, and I went to my first women's Bible uh, retreat, and it was just awesome. And when I was there, God spoke to me and told me that, you know, even though I felt like I wasn't um, desirable, he thought I was desirable, and that uh, to get ready, because in three years, he was going to have something for me. 
So he said to prepare. And then um, in 2012, it was November of 2012, Bill put out an altar call for uh, missionaries in the Philippines. The Stones were looking for somebody to teach or assist in homeschooling their children. And I found myself raising my hand right there, you know, sitting right out there and raising my hand thinking, gosh, people don't do this. But I knew that was um, in preparation for what I'm about to do now, to go out indefinitely um, to serve in Chad. And the reason why I go is because God asked me to. He has faith in me to, he's going to teach me. I know he's going to teach me. Sometimes I think working out in the mission field is more for the people that are going out. Um, But one of the things my my parents said, uh, you know, you're crazy. And I said, yes, I am. I'm crazy for God. So I'm, I'm going. How can Beach Point come around you? How can we be supporting you? Uh, springtime, you'll be leaving, but in these months leading up, and even once you're on the field, what, what are the most important ways we can be supporting you? Um, mainly to pray. Uh, help me uh, not get nervous and speaking in front of everybody. <laughs> and uh, uh, pray for my family. Uh, my father is, is going through melanoma cancer right now, so he's... Um, heavy on my heart and for my children who I'll be leaving, my adult children, but, you know, I'm still a mom, so, um, and then also for the hearts of the Muslim people that uh, God prepares them with dreams, and, and uh, so when I go out there, they'll be, they'll be ready to, to listen and to hear me and, or hear him, not me, um, and then, of course, financial supporters, too. Uh, there's a lot of humility involved in this. I think you have a story that how God's been teaching you about humility. <laughs> um, when I first went to Chad, one of the first things, um, Elizabeth, uh, the team leader's wife, um, she's actually a dual team leader, she was uh, telling me that I'll have to be learning language, um, the Dazaga language, which is the language of the Goran people that we will be serving. Um, they told me I don't have to learn French, so I was really blessed. Um, but they, she did tell me, she said, okay, well, I'm, gonna, uh, I'm going to teach you a phrase, and I want you to repeat after me. You want to learn a new phrase? Uh, <laughs> um, owa. Owa. Tagu. Tagu. Siam. Siam. Now say it all together. Owa tagu siam. It means humility. You get it? What a goose I am? Oh, sorry. So anyway... <laughs> So that's what um, Elizabeth shared with me, and I was just cracking up and thought that was wonderful. And, and Sam said, I, told, I said, oh, I can't wait to get back. I'm going to share that at, at church. And Sam says, you can't share that in church. And upstairs, I said, you bet I can at Beach Point. <laughs> so thank you. That just means, to me, it means humility. So Great. Thank you. All right. Well, Tammy will be out on the patio. You can meet her. You can talk with her. She's got a table. You can grab some of the information. Can we just thank Tammy for being up here this morning? Thank you. You know, even as you listen to Tammy share, maybe for some of you, you heard a word, uh, give, support, pray. And this is part of our heartbeat is when we hear this and, and we're moved this, that we don't go, well, what, how am I going to make this work? We, we move because God leads us on our heart. And so I want to give you a, 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 a question just to, to meditate on as we, we move into prayer and we kind of move into the, uh, the, the end of our service. And here's our responses today. I'm, I'm asking uh, are we willing, are you willing to burn the plows? Are you willing to burn the plows? 
And I don't know what it looks like in your life for some of you maybe in a present situation, a job or something that you just don't feel like it's what you were called to do. Or some of you feel like the place in life that you're in right now, it feels passionless. It doesn't feel like there's a sense of purpose of what God wants. Maybe it's older, or some old things or small things or paradigms that just need to be changed. Maybe it's the conscious choice to, to take something that's causing you to sin and say, no more is this allowed in my life. Uh, but burning the plows really is like, um, if I can use this illustration, uh, it's kind of like in poker. It's your all-in movement, right? It, it's where you push all the chips in and you say, I'm not holding anything back. I'm not playing it safe. It, it's your all-in moment. And you see this time and time again in the life of Jesus that there are moments where people encounter him and they go all in with him. Zacchaeus was a tax collector and no one wanted anything to do with him, but Jesus did. And Jesus called him down. He had a meal with him and explained the kingdom of God in such a way that Zacchaeus decided to go all in. He said, from this moment on, half of what I have goes to the poor. Everyone I've cheated, I, I will make it right four times as much. And there's this moment where Jesus is kind of, you can tell he's kind of almost laughing that, that he sees the sense of commitment in Zacchaeus. There's this, right before uh, Jesus goes to the cross, he's having a meal. And a woman comes in and she breaks open this, this expensive jar of perfume and she begins to anoint him. And, and the disciples are upset. They're thinking that, that jar, that was worth a, a year's wages. I mean, we could have given that to the poor. And Jesus says, you know what? This story will be told all over the world for the rest of time because of what she did. It was her all-in moment. There was a revival when Paul went into the, the town of Ephesus and when the gospel moved and when the spirit moved, that even those that were caught up in this kind of uh, sorcery work and stuff, that they took all their scrolls, their, their, their trinkets, all their stuff, and they burned it in a fire. And it, it, the estimate is that it was over $3 million worth of goods. For some of you, your all-in moment was your baptism. When, you, when we asked you, are you willing to follow Jesus no matter where he leads you, no matter what it costs you? And, and, and that was not just a moment of, of poetry. It wasn't just trying to kind of be romantic in that moment and kind of pull the heartstrings. It, for you, that, you meant it when you said yes Yes, I'll follow him. And the next baptism, I will say, for some of you, your all-in moment will come November 26th. We'll have baptisms here in the services on November 26th. But, but understand this, that, that obedience and change is a two-sided coin. You go out with the old and in with the new. And there's a cost, no question. There is a cost to burning the plows. But there is a cost to staying in the meadow. Jesus had a guy come to him and he wanted to know where, how he could find eternal life. And they kind of had this conversation and Jesus says, look, here's the thing holding you back. And he encouraged them, give everything you have away, come with me and follow me. And it says that this young man, this, he was rich and powerful. He said he, he just couldn't do it. And he gave up the life that Jesus had for him to hold on to the life that he had. And it says that he went away sad. And Peter says, Lord, we've given up everything to follow you. And Jesus said this way, he says, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, and with them persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. The cost of following Jesus is great. The cost of not following him is even 
greater. You will give up a lot to follow him and pursue his glory, but you'll miss out on even more if you stay in the meadow. Elijah, I don't know if you noticed, the last verse says that he left and became a servant. For 18 years, he was Elijah's apprentice. So he'd go to Starbucks, get his, his latte or whatever he had to do. But at the very end, Elijah says, okay, what do you want? And he says, I, I want a double portion of, of, of your blessing. I, I want to be able to do the things that you did. And he says, it's not up to me, it's up to God. But here's what we know from that time is that Elijah did 18 or 14 miracles. Elisha did 28. Mark Batterson writes this. He says, Elisha could have lived his entire life in the dancing meadow, and so can you. You can play it safe instead of stepping out in faith. You can protect your reputation instead of risking it. You can save your money instead of giving it. You can keep plowing your fields instead of following the call of God, but you might very well be forfeiting 28 miracles. And so when God calls, we burn the plow. So let's pray. How is Jesus calling you to follow him? Is he saying, commit, stay, come, go? Let's take a moment. And in these last uh, moments of our service, uh, let's, let's pray, Lord, you are enough for us. Let's announce that we have decided to follow him, that there will be no turning back, that the world is now behind us, only the cross is before us, that we will not turn back, that he deserves everything in our life, nothing less. And so if there's anything holding you back from from burning the plows and following his call, confess that during this last part of our service. Commit yourself to his way. Take a moment to pray and then Brian will lead us.